Hey there. The holidays are here, so it's good to know Fred Meyer can save you some time with free pickup on all your fresh favorites. Whether your traditions call for a hearty helping of juicy ham, ample apple pie, or Aunt Sue's legendary twice-stuffed stuffing, Fred Meyer has got you covered. So order for free pickup at fredmeyer.com or the app and get more time to get your holiday on when you grab your groceries curbside. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Welcome to the Everyday Mindfulness Show, the -the off-the-cuff exploration of everyday aha moments and life experiences. Let's get started with your host, author, speaker, provocateur, and a bit of a goofball, Mike Domish. And welcome to this week's episode. We've got three great guests, uh, all three that have been on before, all the three that bring a truly unique brilliance to themselves. One is Dr. Alexandra Solomon. She wrote the book, Loving Bravely, created and teaches a course, at Marriage 101 at Northwestern University that's world-renowned. Then we have Darren, who is the founder of Project Humanity, doing incredible work overseas in Africa, uh, particularly working with, with all different groups, but particularly a lot with women. And then we have Rick Clemens, who talks about coming out of your closet. Now, all three, and, and doing amazing work also as a coach and counselor, so you can work with them one-on-one. All three of them are speakers. So if you're thinking, hey, I love what that person's saying, how do I bring them? That will all be in the show notes. We'll have all the contact information to be able to reach out and talk to them, but let's get right into it, because today's show is not my circus, not my monkeys. So let's talk about how do we address the drama in our lives. Uh, If it's okay, we'll start with you, Alexandra, if that's all right. When you even hear that phrase, not my circus, not my monkeys, what's your reaction? (laughs) Well, I have have an interesting relationship with uh, other people's drama because, you know, a big part of my week is spent with uh, people paying me to get all up in their drama. So as a therapist, right, that is... You know, it is my role to kind of get in and muck around in other people's drama and to try to be of service. Um, but it brings up really interesting stuff for me um, when I take off my therapist hat. And it brings up for me issues of boundaries. You know, where is that line between staying in my lane and getting out of my lane um, for all kinds of interesting reasons, I think, motivate us to kind of exit our business and get really focused on other people's business. I think it's a neat topic to unpack. So I was excited about doing this conversation. I mean, this is great because there's a professional element of this you just brought up as a therapist that is unique. And and two of you work with people one-on-one, both you and Rick. And so I'm curious as a therapist, how do you decide, should I ask this question or not ask this question when somebody's sharing that drama? Well, so I I think of myself, I think of my position. I think actually this, this applies whether or not we're talking about therapist or friendship, I think the, the best position when we are, when someone is bringing their drama to us, our best position is facing the same direction as that person, but kind of like slightly behind, like a little bit behind them, off to the side, kind of looking at it together. You know, I think it's so easy when someone is in a place of drama and suffering to want to be face to face with them, kind of pulling them along, like, look at it this way, do it this way, don't you see? And if you'd only do this, it would go differently. We kind of get in the stance of over-functioning, I'll do it for you, can't you just get it together, look at it this way. And I think it's when we notice that in ourselves that we're trying to kind of get the other person to do something different because we see that they're suffering, it is our best and bravest work, I think, to take that deep breath 
and reposition ourselves sort of like looking in the same direction but kind of off to the side and maybe just holding a flashlight pointing out, you know, have you looked over there? Have you considered it this way? Uh, which is real different than that kind of over-functioning, just come on, let's just do it this way. I love that. And so how do you avoid thinking, what would I want to hear, right? Because a lot of people do that, don't they? Where, well, I know what I want someone to say, so I'm going to say that to them. I oftentimes, well, not in the clinical office, but just with a friend, I oftentimes just will kind of go meta. You know, we talk about like sort of the talking about the conversation, like what would be helpful right now? How can I be helpful to you in this moment? And sometimes we think a question like that kind of breaks a spell or somehow indicates that we don't know what to do. But there's so there's such a beautiful place for humility in our relationships. And so a question like, how can I be of service to you right now, is a question that empowers the, the person who's all wrapped up in the circus. It's an empowering kind of question, you know, because it invites them to really get clear on, okay, what what do I need right now? And um, maybe all I need is just for you to listen to me. Like, let me just rant and have a big old pity party mm -hmm. for a while. Mm -hmm. I, I find the same thing when I'm working with clients. And I love the standing kind of beside and off to the side, you know, beside them, but also kind of off to one side, simply because I think in our work, that, like Alexander was speaking of, a lot of times clients come to us like, okay, just fix this, which isn't serving them. And that's a, it's actually a way of somebody, and somebody who does that a lot, they're all about pulling other people into their drama. Please fix this for me so that then they can create more drama. Oh, you didn't fix that for me, so now look at this. This is the typical victim energy that shows up. And so even in my practice, if a client comes to me and says, well, tell me what to do, I'm like, well, how would that best serve you if I told you what to do? What if you and I could jointly come up with a solution that gives you the best possibility of getting out of this situation or finding your own answers instead of me saying, well, here's what I think. Now, if a client does ask me, here's what, you know, what do you think? I will often say, well, I will share what I think, but I'm only sharing from my own personal experience. Mm. I'm not saying this is going to work for you. And I don't believe that everything that happens, you know, in my coming out work, whether it's coming out sexually or something else, that question comes up a lot. Well, how did somebody else do that? It's another entry point of trying to drag you into the drama. And so I think it's really, as Alexandra said, it's really powerful to give them the kind of questions that guide them into kind of kicking them in the ass and saying, um, no, you need to figure this out. I'm going to help you get there, but you need to come to this solution because that's going to serve you better than me giving you the answer. And Darren, you deal with, I mean, and everybody here does in some capacity, but very unique drama from what most people deal with in far as going into a completely different culture, completely different things that you can't change, that you can't just say, go do this, like you might to somebody in the United States, because they don't have the safety to even do that potentially. So how does this apply to you in your work in Africa? You know, it's interesting, and I appreciated the perspective of it being a counseling type situation or one-on-one -on -one coaching because most of the drama I deal with is on social media. I'll wake up and say, oh my gosh, a staff member has posted XYZ in Africa and it's created drama. So I don't always have that mechanism in place like you were saying, Rick, of being able to sit down and say, well, what about this, what about that? And interestingly, Mike, about what you said about working in a different culture, there are different cultural norms, say for example in Africa or Kenya where we work primarily, 
that would be appropriate there that might not be appropriate here. And they, there's a little bit of behavior differences. But I think the more interesting question is, in fact, we're talking about being a circus, that in our own lives, you know, to, to identify my own dramas or things that, that happen as we're dealing with those that we're managing or consulting or counseling, you almost have to ask yourself, what is, I see what's being said or done, but what is not being said or done that may be the foundation out of which this is coming? And it's an interesting perspective, I think, to ask that because you have to suddenly realize, I see what you're doing, I say what, I hear what you're saying, um, why? And what is the real issue that we should be talking about that maybe hasn't surfaced yet? And is that very much like the concept uh, Landmark and others teach of what story are you telling yourself to land it to that location? <laughs> yeah. And because that's powerful. That's very powerful. What story? And I think there's – I think you brought up a really brilliant question, so let's go there. What okay. about the social media? Because there is a lot of drama out there, and, it's, and it can suck us in, especially those of us – who work in career fields where you have a lot of flexibility and freedom of time potentially. And so to replace doing something, you go on social media or to feel connected to the world when you're traveling, you go on social media and it can suck you into that, that circus and monkeys and all that that goes with it. Mm -hmm. How do we one work to be conscious, be aware that we're doing that. So we don't Two, when it happens, how do we react? Do we just disengage? Do we say, I'm not going to engage in that because it's not my circus, my monkey, or I need to engage in that because people need to see someone standing up to that. How do we decide that? I think, don't you think there's an element of proximity? So I always, I always look at things in two ways. One, is it close enough that it truly affects me? And if it affects me, do I need to get involved? If it's something I'm reading, maybe I don't comment, maybe I don't post it or share or whatever the element is um but proximity to me is everything if it affects me directly or it affects the things that i'm managing of course i may have to step in and it could be a personal attack maybe it gives you a sense or a loss of control we all want a certain image portrayed so if it is about an organization or maybe a family matter that you don't want something aired on social media the whole world is to see it it's that inability often to control the actions of others and certainly on social media and you can't. And suddenly a private matter or something that could have been handled privately is now a very public, can be a public affair. So it's, it, it is challenging. You've, the question is valid. I think one of the things that can be helpful is to do that kind of like mindful check-in with self and try mm -hmm. to figure out what is the place from which I want to respond. Sometimes we, sometimes we will get into somebody else's drama because we're really anxious about our own drama. You know, our own drama feels out of control or uncomfortable. And so kind of getting involved in, in something that, that is, you know, two or three degrees removed from self and it can be a kind of an escape. Um, or sometimes we're feeling sort of flat and we turn to somebody else's drama to kind of get that hit. You know, there's sort of that like dopamine hit of like, <gasps> ooh, that like voyeuristic, like what's going on over there, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so what? So doing that check-in of like, what what is the place from which I want to look at this, watch this, 
or engage in this and um, and to get real clear to take that pause and get that clarity so that then if there is a step forward it's it's from a place of um, alignment and integrity and something that kind of hooks onto um, one of our values you know I think we're all in that same space where it's about engagement and asking the question how does this how does this serve me in this moment? How does this serve me in the long run? Um, you know, just recently, um, there was a couple of things that I posted on social media that, as Darren said, directly affect my business, net neutrality being one of those. And I only posted because it does affect me. It affects my business potentially in a huge way. But then a couple of days prior to that, a friend of mine tried to rope me in on a, on a comment on Facebook and, you know, use my name in it to try to get me to comment on something. And it wasn't something I felt like I even wanted to be brought into. So I, you know, graciously sent this person a message saying, you know, I appreciate you wanting to be, have me involved in the discussion, but I'm very particular about what I engage in on social media and I'd rather not participate. So that's why I'm not responding. And I think it kind of it goes back to what Alexandra said. It's a it's drawing the boundaries. Mm-hmm. You suddenly I love that. Curious, but what did the person respond with? They let's just say they didn't really like it because they were really <laughs> wanting me to weigh in on and it, it. It was a tough one because it, it kind of falls in my it falls in my area of expertise. But it was a button push that I knew if I said something, it could cause an avalanche of stuff that I just, I didn't want to deal with. Mostly because right now, I'm in a personal space where I'm in the middle of a move and all this stuff. I don't have time to engage in this stuff on social media. But it also, I know this person really well. And it was definitely like, let's bring you into the arena. And I'm just like, I don't want to be in the arena on this one. Mm -hmm. Very simple. Mm -hmm. But I love that. And the reason I ask that question is because I think most of us make the mistake of thinking, but what if I do let them down? And then we just do it out of guilt, right? We Mm -hmm. step in the arena out of guilt. Like, Mm -hmm. well, I have to say something. No, I don't have to say anything actually in that situation. Mm -hmm. I can choose not to. So I love that you shared that. You know what? This just isn't the... And and you said that the wording you used, I really like there. Uh, I just, is this an arena I want to step into right now, right? That's sort of the, the word mm-hmm. you used. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very, yeah. very powerful. I know. Um, I know sometimes when it has to do with social justice and activism, it can feel really hard to not meet every opportunity to quote unquote, do the right thing. And there was an image that somebody had used a while back of the idea of a choir. And when a choir is holding like a really long note, different singers, different individual singers will take their breath at different points, right? So that there's always sort of like an ample sound of the collective while individuals sort of take that breath, take that pause. And it sounds like what you're saying is like this, I just can't be in this. I'm taking a breath right now. I will be back in. I'm not giving up on this work. I am still in the sort of greater fight or greater push or greater movement. I'm just taking a breath for a moment. And I think that's, um, that's a really important skill for um, for everyone to have, just to sort of know when it's okay to just like take that breath and trust well, that trust there's other people out there doing the work that we value. Mm-hmm. And I think there's this, this it's kind of this assumptive step into the drama that happens at times, you know. So being a gay man, I've encountered this numerous times in my own community in the LGBTQ community where I've actually had people 
mostly on social media, but every once in a while, even you know, face to face, say to me, why aren't you jumping in on this? Mm-hmm. Well, just because I choose not to jump in on this doesn't mean I don't support it. And I don't want you to assume that just because I'm gay necessarily means that this is something I support, you know, and I'll use a really good example of this. Um, Target years ago when something supposedly they weren't doing something that the gay community liked or Chick-fil-A, which is a good example, you know, of somebody, you know, an organization that tends to not support LGBTQ stuff. Suddenly, everybody's supposed to jump on these bandwagons. Now, I get it. But there may be perfectly good reasons that somebody doesn't want to jump into those arenas. So it's a mm-hmm. piece of pulling you into the drama, and that may not align with who and what you are. And I think we, we kind of assume the drama is supposed to be played in just because of who you are at times. And I know, I'm sure Alexandra gets this all the time, too. Of, you know, here you're this relationship expert. So something comes along about relationships and you're supposed to come and you're supposed to be deep into it. And Darren, you know, anything around social justice and helping women in Africa. Oh, well, you know, let's go to Darren. And, you know, he just because that's what we do. And Mike, you're in the same spot for sure. I know, given what's going on right now in our, our world with me, too, you're probably getting hit right and left. And at some point, some of that can actually turn into drama that you kind of got to step back and go, wait, yes, this is part of my platform this is part of my foundation it's part of my core values it's part of what i believe in but i need to take a breath absolutely i'll I'll give you a great example of that just last night i'm being interviewed today by a news station an abc news station and just for anyone listening the time we're recording this was the holiday season and so they want to do a little clip a little bit on baby it's cold outside and should the song be censored or not censored due to what many call a date rape song or that there's coercion in the song. And so I posted, I'm going to be answering this question tomorrow with the media. What are your feelings? What was interesting was the number of people that would say, I don't even know why you're discussing that song of all the songs you could discuss, (laughs) which is interesting because I clearly Mm -hmm. stated that the news station was asking this question. (laughs) I was not asking the question. I'm simply want perspective. So when I talk to them, I'm not just speaking from my viewpoint. Actually, I want to hear is ever, are other people bothered by it? Are they not? But the number of people that said, I don't get why you're focused on that one song of all songs. And, it was interesting how they wanted to make drama out of a, look, I don't like the song or I do, and here's why. I think you've hit on something that has permeated every part of our culture right now. Everything exists around polarization. Yeah. And when we're talking about drama and this person says, I like red, and the other people say, well, you should like black, no blue and green and orange, and it's okay to like any of those colors. But because I don't or don't favor one or the other doesn't mean that I don't respect yours. And I love what you just said, Mike, because there is a tendency with the current climate to feel that the only way we can be heard is to create drama. Absolutely. I have to keep, you know, when I think, Rick, you said, it, you know, how would I respond on social media and I didn't have the energy or time? I think doctors said it best, and that is pick your boundaries. Mm-hmm. If it falls outside of your boundary, you'll know it. And I think the other thing I was thinking when you were talking is all of us surround ourselves with people. And the closer someone is, at least in my life, the more drama-free they are. Because I want that stability both internally, but then in my closest relationships, I, I need that stability, that certainty in my life that 
you know, basically the principle, I got your back type mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's been, it's been really interesting over the past few weeks, because as I stated, my husband and I are um, in the midst of selling and buying a home right now. And so there's been lots of drama, huge amounts of drama going on. <laughs> And mm -hmm. ju just this morning, we are, I mean, we thought we were closing today, and now we're not. It's actually happening, you know, in a couple of days. And so things were happening. He's like, I need my checkbook. Well, it happened to be that I picked up a box of stuff and put it in with some other stuff of mine, and his checkbook was supposedly there, so he needed it this morning to pay the gardener. And suddenly there was like this frenetic, okay, where's the checkbook? Where's the checkbook? And I was starting to get kind of panicked, like, okay, I don't know, because where is stuff right now, you know? And it was so funny because he stopped and he goes, you know what? We don't need this drama. He goes, can you just write the check and then I'll, you know, pay for something else? But I just found it interesting that he used the word, we don't need this drama. And maybe it's because he's gone through so much drama over the past few weeks. Yeah. But if we stop, and even said that. Now that can be taken yeah. actually out of you know the wrong context, but I think it's choosing the words of do we really do we want to spend our energy like this right now? Do we really want to be in this space this way with each other? And I, I loved what Alexander said at the very beginning. It's one of my favorite questions. How would you like me to be with you right now in this mm -hmm. moment? Mm -hmm. It's such a powerful question because it puts a stop to the drama or the wheels that are already turning in somebody's head. When you ask a question that's not normally asked, like, Darren, how would you like me to be with you right now in this moment and this situation? And how would we react if people actually said that? We wouldn't even know what to say. Right, yeah. that's the point. It gives and the I, stop and the breath. I think, I think something, too, and the, and the four of us on this call, our culture is crying out for someone who will say, I want to hear you and I want to hear your voice, but yeah. we have to respect each other. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about drama, it's just, there's nothing you can, the radio, the TV, social media, everywhere you look, there is this magnified problem that we have and that we don't hear each other. Mm -hmm. We don't take time. So I think it's more than what we're asking about drama is how is somebody that's living a mind, you know, a mindfulness perspective, just being stable, balanced. How can we carry through life these principles and create calm and, uh, you know, create balance around us? I was going to add just, just in terms of the social media, you know, when we look at that, that mindful response is so difficult because when we think about sort of our, Facebook feed, right? We don't mm -hmm. respond, we react. We have that range of reactions. Angry face, happy face, thumbs up. We react to each other versus a response, which is, wow, like I hadn't thought of it that way, or tell me more, let me see it through your eyes. And it's hard. I mean, that's that's what we do when we're face-to-face, -face and we have all of that rich ancestral, like in our DNA kind of cues mm -hmm. back and forth that I see the shift in your brow and that lets me know you're having a reaction. You know, all of that sort of like 3D in real time stuff is how we, that's what triggers our compassion, our empathy, our curiosity. Um, so we, we're, we're putting ourselves in a really hard spot when we um, connect on social media because it's all about the reaction versus the response, which is what draws us towards each other. Yeah. And so that begs a great question of who do we surround ourselves with, which you brought up earlier, 
which I thought was brilliant, Darren, of, you know, the closer people are to me, the less drama I, I notice. And I like that uh, in those individuals. Do you think it, it's a tough call here with things like social media? Is it healthier to trim the list so that we have less? But then do you take away differing voices that you need to hear? Uh, is there a way in social media to try to bring in the ones that are less drama and tune out the drama? That is a great question. <laughs> I I think you've said it. It's we, well, at least for me, when I think of who is drama free, I don't mean you have to agree with me. In fact, the opposite. Can we have a reasonable conversation? Social media removes that proximity and it's just whomever. And I don't know the answer to that myself. You guys may have other ideas, but it is very hard to filter that through because it's so easy to share. It's so easy to see whatever's been posted. It's a great point that you bring up, and, and I agree with you. It's, it's not the people who agree with me. It's the ones who, or disagree with me. Mm -hmm. It can be people who agree with me who bring drama to every conversation. Yeah. Uh, and they, they're you know, stoking the fire every time I bring mm -hmm. up a conversation. And then they stoke the ones who disagree with me who do the same kind of drama. They're feeding each other through my page. Right. So through my, That's the word. they're in my house, right? They're in my house making a mess and arguing and fighting um, instead of being able to have civil conversations. Boy, that's true. I, I've seen that happen, right? You see just two people that you, you know each of them and they don't know each other and they're going at it on your news feed. I think that's really difficult in a, in a way that they wouldn't if everyone was sort of sitting around the table with a beer, kind of just, you know, the way that community really ought to be. I have deleted posts. In, well, exactly. in the middle, yeah. in the middle of yep. those people fighting, I would yep. be like, I'm deleting this <laughs> because if I delete it, they got to go start it somewhere else. They can't, it's not happening. I'm not creating this atmosphere for this. And I'll normally private message the two of them, not everybody else. If there was 40, 50 people in the conference thread, uh, it's just gone. But for the two that might be like, what happened? I'll sometimes send them a note going, just, you know, I deleted that. I like to create a positive conversation space. It was going negative, you know, that kind of a thing. Um, but yeah, I'll delete it because I'm like, I'm just going to stop this before it gets worse. It's bad enough. And people are like, you can't just delete our conversation. I'm like, it's in my house. Yes, I can. I mean, yeah, that's, yes, you can. It's, it's on but my you page. Know you know what you're describing, Mike, is a healthy boundary. Mm -hmm. That's true. The thing I find interesting is when someone, and Alexander probably way on in on this really good too, is when you try to set a, health, a healthy boundary, with someone who doesn't know how to set boundaries or receive boundaries, they're going to react. They're going to be the reactionary person. That's it. It, it takes a level of self-awareness to, to say, you know, I see that. I see that Mike, you know, Mike is representing himself and his business in this space. Mm -hmm. And I just went into the space and did something that, that created discomfort in Mike. I will step back. There's a kind of self-awareness and humility that's required to, to do that. And, um, not, not everyone is curious about, um, looking at the impact of their behaviors on the people around them. Oh yeah. I've had the, per you know, when I deleted it, I've had somebody go, well, I guess I can't say what I want around you. You know, they do fire back. It doesn't mean they're like, so most are like, I understand, Mike, you know, that type of thing. But some are like, was that all about me? Was that all about me that you shut that down? And I'm like, well, the conversation, I'm not going to say it wasn't personal about you, but, you know, the way the conversation was being engaged, the tactics, I don't even go there. I'm just like, look, it was going negative, whether you or whoever, it doesn't matter because uh, yeah. it doesn't feed that person's only looking for argument. It's like, how dare you say I was being argumentative?
Mm-hmm. And that person has that person has a you 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 deleting the post gives that person a really neat opportunity to kind of reflect on what is it about this issue that gets me so triggered that how I handled myself in Mike's space led him to pull the post down. What is getting and and that's a really powerful avenue for self exploration. What is it about this issue that gets me going? There's a lot of richness in there, right? Uh, yes, assuming they go there. <laughs> but, but, yeah. but you're right; it does. Exactly. It does provide the. And when we say they, we've all, all of us have yes. fallen into this. Oh, yeah. So we're not talking like we're above this. We've all done it ourselves, and so this is part of. You know, we were talking about this on another show recently, and that part of humanity is that we all have that good and that bad to us. It's not that we're all good or all bad, or we all have. We all do this stuff. You know, the way I look at it, or I try to, except when I get triggered, but <laughs> even when I get triggered, I try to step back. And, and the way I look at some of these conversations that happen out in the social media sphere is to realize that when I step into someone else's house, mm-hmm. it's like someone stepping in to the theater, to the arena, wherever we are, as a speaker. And as a speaker, we're speaking and doing our thing, and then somebody in the audience decides they're going to make the ruckus. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be the guy that makes the ruckus. I want to be the guy that takes the information, absorbs it, and then feeds off of that in a healthy way. But I look at it as if I'm the audience member stepping into somebody else's house. They're the speaker on the stage. How can I be most respectful to that speaker? And when given the opportunity to be an interactive piece of their stagecraft, then I want to do that in a way that supports what they're trying to do. And that's always the way I try to look at this in the social media sphere. I don't want to like ruin somebody's appearance on their own stage. I love it. And this show is just, I was just flown by. So here's what I would love to do. I'm going to ask each of you it. Number one, we've talked about a lot of things. There's been a lot of great ideas here, shared actual skill sets shared that people can use. So number one thing that you would either, you've already said it, that's okay. It could be a summary or that we haven't brought up that you think helps people create those boundaries dealing with not my circus, not my monkeys and a book that you think helps bring perspective or any kind of medium, if you have one that you would recommend. If it's okay, we'll start with you, uh, Dr. Solomon. Oh man. Okay. I think that, I, I think it's about uh, embracing the pause, sort of pausing, and and especially if the degree of the response is I have to respond right now, I have to get in there right now, that's probably an indicator of the length of the pause you need to take, and so that the response is really a chosen response. And the book that comes to mind is Buddha's Brain by Rick Hansen. I love that book. Awesome. Thank you so much. And that's one I have not checked into, so I'm going to look into that. Darren? I think for me, it's having good personal boundaries, and I think it's we've referred to it a couple of times. There is actually a book called Boundaries. I think the authors are Cloud and Townsend uh, that can be very helpful also. Very cool. Thank you. Rick? For me, it's, it's being empathetic and putting myself in that same spot and going, okay, if I was in that spot, would I be in this circus? Would I be that monkey? Trying to put myself in the mindset of that person. So first of all, I come from a more empathetic space than the reactive space. And then also learning to let it go. That's a huge thing. It's like, just let it go. Don't, don't be in this. And um, one of my favorite books that's taught me so much about letting things go is The Subtle Art of Not Giving a F uh, <laughs> by Mark Manson. And it's just, it's such a great book. In fact, I, I, it's required reading for all my clients. It's like, you have to read this book, and I don't care if the title offends you. You're going to, 
effing read this book, okay? <laughs> I was surprised you were censoring because you've used that word before on this show. So well, I know, but I'm trying to be respectful. <laughs> your arena, your and Good trying boundaries. to stir things up. So, uh, but uh, no, I that's appreciated. Really powerful way to look at it. Awesome. I want to thank all three of you for uh, that 30 minutes just flew by. So thank you all for a great show. Uh, For all of our listeners out there, may you enjoy mindfulness in every day of your life. We appreciate you being a part of our vibrant, oftentimes silly, and always vulnerable community. If you have an idea, a thought, want to sponsor the show, or just want to say hi, send us an email at listen at everydaymindfulnessshow.com. And check us out at everydaymindfulnessshow.com. Have a joyful, mindful week.